Yo, what's happening, everybody? My name is Anthony Carrenti, and thank you, as always, for checking out another episode of The Dynasty Drive. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, uh, soon to be happy new year uh, for anybody listening to the show. Got a great conversation on the show today with uh, Mike Fiella. You probably know him at um, at Daddy's Home FF on Twitter. Super, super nice guy, super knowledgeable, knows his stuff inside and out, but had a good conversation with him uh, regarding our really early 2021 top five running back rankings and how that might look uh, for the early point looking ahead towards next season. So I appreciate Mike for joining me on the show to have that conversation. Uh, if you're not for some reason already, make sure you are following him on Twitter. It's at Daddy's Home FF. Uh, he's the co-host of Fantasy Intervention. Follow them at Join Our Circle on Twitter. Catch them Wednesdays at 8 p.m. And you could see him, you know, getting retweeted all over the place on Twitter on a bunch of other people's shows. So if you haven't checked Mike's stuff out, make sure you do that. Uh, but other than that, we're going to jump right into this conversation. It's about half hour, 35 minutes or so. So enjoy that with Mike and we'll talk to you guys on the other side. Thanks. All right, joining me on the podcast today, Mike Fiella, co-host of Fantasy Intervention. Catch it Wednesdays at 8 p.m. And pretty much one of, if not the nicest people on the Bird app we all call Twitter. So, Mike, I appreciate your time. Oh, man, I'm happy to be here. I was stoked to get the invite, so I'm happy we were able to find a time that worked out for us. Yeah, man. Uh, like I told you, the thing I was kind of most interested in getting your thoughts on, because I know we have some guys the same, some guys that differ a little bit, just kind of uh, where we view some of the top running backs heading into next year and of course next year and beyond, but more specifically, uh, you know, early next season, since this season's kind of winding down, unfortunately for me with less championships than I'd like, I don't know where you stand, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, I think I went, uh, I'm over six so far yesterday with my seventh one. I need 18 points from Tyler Boyd and I'm not hopeful with Finley <laughs> under center. So I may go over seven in semifinals. It has been a rough week, man. I had a heartbreak of all heartbreaks last night. It was, was uh and like my main i guess like home dynasty league where i over the course of the year accumulated just un unreal amounts of talent and wide receiver i felt so good about this team and i was I'm, I'm i'm going to lose by five points but like the crushing part of it all is i'm going to lose five points against a team that still has james connor in their lineup that, <laughs> that won't even play tonight <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, man, that is the worst when you get beat by luck instead yeah. of skill. That, yeah. that hurts a lot, man. Yeah, it's terrible. But uh, so like you and I were talking about earlier, I think for both of us, where we both stand, at least right now, is the top guy heading into next season is Christian McCaffrey for you as well? Oh, yeah. No, it's not even close. I mean, you talk about number one, I actually think this year was good for the prospects of Christian McCaffrey. What I was worried about was if we didn't have a heavy touch season like we did last year, like if you look at 2019 and how much they put on that guy, I didn't want to see him getting heavy touches in 2020. I actually liked the idea of Mike Davis playing change of pace. Now what you have is you've got basically a year of rest, a little less wear on the tires. This guy, though, is a league winner. Every game he played in, he's still a beast. I mean, he does it through the air. Does it on the ground, whole offense for Carolina. And let's face it, Teddy is a check down guy. Just it, it's the perfect setup. You got field stretches on the outside. I don't know what you could look at with Christian McCaffrey and make you think that anybody is more valuable than that guy. Yeah, I agree. It would, I, I was going to say, what would it take for Christian McCaffrey to not be the top guy going into next season for you? Because I really don't know if there's something for me, barring like catastrophic injury or anything that can before we see more games next year, take him out of that spot. 
because it's like you know what you're going to get. And the thing that I've maintained looking at it is that even even at not that he's old by any stretch, but even as he continues to get older and he's got the big money deal already, but it just feels like it's such an easy transition to when he eventually isn't, you know, a 250, 300 carry type guy. Like, okay, so now he's just an elite slot receiver. Like you still at worst have such a weapon in the passing game that, uh, like I said, barring like catastrophic injury, which, you know, knock on wood, we never want that. But, um, I don't really think there's anything that can take him out of that RB1 spot for me in Dynasty going into next season. The only thing that would potentially get Christian Caffrey out of the number one spot for me, and it could never happen, but would be a guarantee of Dalvin Cook's health. 16 games and every minute of those games. Because the thing about Dalvin is not just the two that he misses. It's the other five games where he hobbles off. He yeah. gets carried off and comes back, but he misses those five to ten touches. That's the only player, skill-wise and talent-wise, that I think comes close to McCaffrey, but he just can't stay healthy. If you could guarantee me that he goes to, like, Will Fuller's pharmacist and never gets caught, <laughs> uh, I'm all in on Dalvin Cook, but otherwise, yes, McCaffrey. I love Dalvin Cook, and I have him at RB2, and I'm terrified for all the reasons you just said. Like, I feel so good about it in terms of the skill of the player, but I'm so petrified because I just... Dalvin Cook is, like, the one player that, in the few places I do have shares of him, I'm like, oh, this is the one running back that, like, I need to have Alexander Madison. Like, you know what I mean? I don't have a ton of other situations where, like, I have the primary, I guess, quote-unquote handcuff. But I just can't, I don't trust it to stay healthy, but the talent and like the reliance on him is so strong and he's doing it at such a high level right now that it's, it's tough for me to take him out of the second spot, but their injuries are a, a very real concern. And you have your second guy, you said you have Jonathan Taylor, right? Yeah, Jonathan Taylor is my guy. Uh, he has Stunned. been. I actually pr- projected him as the RB, Dynasty RB1 in November of 2019. That's like how long I've been waiting for this dude it. to show up. Oh, it's perfect. And then here's the thing, right? And I've been fighting people about this nonstop. You know how the internet gets. Everyone has their guy, right? Oh, yeah. And everyone told me, well, Elair has the best situation. 100% false. Yeah. 100% false. When you look at the top running backs, we actually just touched upon them. We talked about Christian McCaffrey. We'll talk about Saquon Barkley. We talked about Dalvin Cook. Do you know what three of those guys have in common? They're the best player on their team. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Eler is 100% not. Yeah. Pat Mahomes is the best player on the Chiefs. So what you're looking at, what I want isn't the guy who's in the highest powered offense. I want the guy who is going to dominate the offense. I want the first option every single time. Eler is competing with Hill, Kelsey, even Mahomes running the ball. I mean, there's just so much talent on that team. Jonathan Taylor, on the other hand, has a few things going for him. Number one, he's the best player on that offense, most talented. It's not actually even particularly close for me. Number two, great offensive line. I mean, great offensive line, and specifically great run-blocking offensive line. When you look at the Colts, really only the Raiders rival them in terms of efficiency run-blocking. He has the perfect situation, and he has proven he can handle the load. Again, going back to Elair, he had one year of college, and not to mention, in that offense, what did he have? One touchdown catch out of Burrow's 60s, and all of a sudden he's going to be this stud. And what Taylor showed you this year, every knock on him was he can't catch. His catch efficiency is as high as any rookie running back in the league, if I'm not mistaken. He's in the high 90s. He's taking things to the house 
multiple different ways. And once Frank Wright gets out of his own way, which he will, it took him year two with Melvin Gordon. Jonathan Taylor starts dominating the touches. What you're seeing at the end of the year, these 150 games, these 90 and two touchdown games, I think that's what you're going to see from Taylor moving forward. Absolute stud, perfect situation, workhorse back, and the size, speed, freak. Like he has everything you want in that type of running back. It moved. It was hard for me to move Saquon out of number two. The injury gives me just enough to move Taylor up to the second spot. Yeah, he is an animal, and it was when we were like halfway through, like winding down, like rookie draft season last year, and everybody was absolutely enamored with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and it, like I never really like not that I didn't understand like he's an exciting player in his own right. But it's such a different projection than what Jonathan Taylor ever was in college. Like you said, that whole LSU kind of that last Burrow season, all of it was a little bit like, man, this is really kind of feeling to me, at least it felt not that not to disparage Joe Burrow or anything, because I think he's a great prospect as well. But it was like the perfect storm of everything going right. Like Joe Burrow having a historic season, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. It was just kind of like that offense was humming along so good compared to Jonathan Taylor, which this is one of like my favorite like little nuggets as I was like hype. I don't want to say hyping up Jonathan Taylor because he did that for himself with his play, but that in a college season, he never ran for under 1,900 yards or less than six and a half yards per carry. Like, that's insane. Like, it doesn't it's even wild. make sense. It's <laughs> so crazy. Um, he really is the total package. I have him as my fourth, uh, fourth back coming into next year right now. And he's the guy that I feel is most likely, like, over the course of this offseason, if there's going to be, like, movement in the top five, it feels most realistic to me that it's Jonathan Taylor moving up to either two or three uh, from where he's at because I agree. I think Frank Reich will get out of his own way eventually. I do think he's the most talented skill player on that offense, and the offensive line is set up to just bulldoze people. And he has settled in. Like, now that it's he's, I think a little more acclimated. He's reading the uh, blocks a little bit better. He looks like college Jonathan Taylor again. And it's, uh, it's funny, you know, three, four five weeks in, everybody was ready to hop off the bandwagon. He was a bust because he wasn't <laughs> doing, you know, 200 yard games, but still, uh, still can do it. It looks like, Oh, that's the joy of dynasty, right? If you can hit that just right, if you can buy on the low point, you get paid out. That's how you build championships. All those rosters you see where people like, what's that a four team league? I'm like, no, it's people who, learned how to time deals properly and trading for Jonathan Taylor week four or five. Like you said, you were paying pennies on the dollar yeah. what this guy's worth. Now I traded for him in a league, like right as the manager who was rostering him was clearly getting a little bit panicked. And, uh, I said, look, I'll give you my one next year. And I think it was my one in Jalen Rager. And we're like, yeah, I'll do that. And I'm, you know, I, and I like Jalen Rager still, I think he's going to take, you know, he'll get a bump in, I think value next year too. But, not Jonathan Taylor, but like, <laughs> no. no, no. And that's the thing. You're never going to get back the return on a wide receiver that you get on a stud running back. Yeah. That's just how the game's played. For sure. Now our third guys, respectively, I have Alvin Kamara and you have Saquon Barkley. And I think that's interesting situations for both of them. Saquon, I have him as my RB five and I can't drop him <laughs> further than that. And it's just because of the injury really. Uh, and because of some guys moving ahead of him. But similar to Taylor, how I said I could see him moving up a couple spots, I can see 
I could see myself kind of flip-flopping Alvin Kamara and Saquon Barkley when I get, you know, a month or two into the offseason because I think Saquon will undoubtedly be back from the injury fine. He's a freak human, a freak athlete. I'm not worried about mm-hmm. that at all. Uh, and I don't think, I don't want to say it's overblown, but we've seen enough guys come back from the injury and be the same player that I think he will for sure do the same. Um, Kamara, I'm feeling less optimistic about as time goes on uh, because, and I think it was maybe like four or five weeks ago, I had written something about, I had some concerns about him in life after Drew Brees. And I mean, the receiving work was pretty much non-existent with Taysom Hill at the helm, which makes me nervous because I don't know exactly how long Brees will be there. Brees could retire after this season. Uh, It certainly won't be much longer than that if he does decide to run it back. Uh, so I guess what are your quick thoughts about Saquon at three? And if you have anything on uh, Kamara on your mind as well, I'm not sure where he falls in your rankings, how far outside the top five it is for you. Pretty far. Uh, we'll get to that <laughs> in a second. Uh, Sa- Saquon to me is just, he he is that guy physically, right? The problem is you touched on one of them, which is the injuries. The second part that had me nervous was the Giants. Mm-hmm. I mean, the offense as a whole. However, as I watched that team kind of evolve and I watched what Wayne Gallman did, I started moving Saquon back up. Like he was dropping towards five like you had there. Mm-hmm. But the way they're blocking now compared to what they were doing the first three weeks of the season when Saquon was healthy, I think it was two or three weeks they had him. It's night and day, right? The whole difference is beyond amazing to me, like what they're doing with Wayne Gallman. So you put in a freak like Saquon. All of a sudden, those 100-yard games that Gallman are getting turn into 150-yard games. Sure. Those things where he gets tackled, like remember that 80-yard run that Gallman broke off? Those are touchdowns for Saquon Barkley. Anything over 40 yards that Gallman sees, I figure <laughs> Saquon's taken to the house. Yeah, right? it's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. The thing that worries me is, are they going to stick with Daniel Jones? I think Daniel Jones is very good for Saquon Barkley. I think realistically, any running quarterback that can freeze that second level, that can freeze that middle linebacker on those misdirection plays is big. So I want to see him with that type of quarterback. I think Daniel Jones may not be good for the Giants. Uh, Sorry, Steffi Smalls may not be good for fantasy in your particular team, but he's very good for Saquon Barkley. So I'm hoping that they keep that together, and I'm hoping they make the investment more in the offensive line, kind of build up so you can get a few more athletes in there. But Saquon Barkley is that dude. Huge risk, though, right now. You're talking risk-reward, right? Two major injuries. This is the problem, and this could become a pattern. We just talked about Dalvin Cook. Saquon Barkley might even be worse. I just think he's that guy. Excuse me. Now, in terms of Kamara, I I can't. I just can't with him. And and part of my problem is I was really never a Kamara guy to begin with. Just not my type of player. Just not enough kind of workhorse back. Like Latavius Murray always scared me. I always like those up the gut guys. Mm -hmm. Those six point runs in fantasy are so dang important. Mm -hmm. And what Kamara was living off of was eighty one catches. And what he was really trending towards before. Four Breeze went down. Man, he was on pace for like 120, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 20 touchdowns worth of catches right there. If you're playing a PPR, you know, 10 if you're playing half point PPR. I mean, that that's that's insane value. Now you take that away, and you now add a third element to that backfield in Taysom Hill, a third goal line back, if you will, yeah. and, and Thompson, Latavius Murray. And what you saw Sean Payton doing with the offense was Latavius Murray was actually out-snapping Alvin Kamara. That's that's a problem. I mean, that that is a major problem. So if you're talking about a top 
five dynasty running back. You better be getting 70 to 80% snap share at the bare minimum. And he was coming in at 48%. I can't buy into that at the value. Now, could I look stupid because is he, is he a talent? Absolutely. Could they possibly fix Taysom Hill to do these checkdowns in the offseason? No question. But I have been running back eight. And even there, I'm pretty certain if that was my choice, I'd probably trade back. I'd probably be looking at basically if I look lower down my top 10, if I could get a Derrick Henry and a Nick Chubb plus dang near anything. Um, I, I'd probably do it for Kamara, and that's who rounds out my top 10. Those are guys I'm just more comfortable with. It's more predictable, uh, and honestly, they're more prone to week-to-week wins as opposed to peaks and valleys you get with Kamara. They're fair points, and it's what, like, I have him three, but I don't really feel great about it. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. for the reasons you said, like, sure that they could, you know, you know, fix Taysom Hill or get him more involved in, like, that check-down passing game. The other thing that concerns me with Kamara and how I could kind of see him I don't know if anything will really happen over the course of the offseason that will lead me to bringing him outside of my top five but I could see like I could see just outside of it especially for if it was the case of moving a guy up who's a little bit further down on your list that we'll talk in a second about but he was making such a living like a couple seasons ago on crazy touchdown efficiency like scoring touchdowns at such an insane clip and so efficient doing it that it feels hard to continue to bet on that especially with like an inevitable change at quarterback so he's probably the one that if somebody like i said you know jt can move up in my rankings saquon can move up in my rankings kamara i would say is the one if somebody was going to fall out of my top five dynasty running backs over the course of this offseason kamara is the most likely one to do it because he's there right now and kind of coasting on reputation a little bit if i'm being honest Sure. And I think that, I mean, that's a great point, though, that for anybody who has Kamara right now, he does still have the reputation. Mm-hmm. You're hoping for Breeze to close out the season. What you want more than anything is a flash of early season Kamara. And if you can get early season Kamara return, which was insane. I mean, you were pushing, you know, straight up for Christian McCaffrey type trades yeah. at the beginning of the year. If anybody sees that, find that person and trade him, Alvin Kamara. That's the move, and that's how you win at Dynasty. Especially with running backs, be a year early and get out a little bit early before you get these cliff guys, right? Like The last thing you want is to be holding, and not that Kamara's in this category, right, but you're holding like a Mark Ingram. You're holding a guy who instantly just falls off a cliff. Not that I think Kamara is that guy, but I think that you have a real possibility that Alvin Kamara is not your, in your top 10 running backs next year based on situation. One. Yeah, and it's a conversation that I was just having not too long ago um, that with somebody else about I would, especially in Dynasty, I will gladly try and be a year early on a running back. And even if I'm wrong in that first year, I'll live with it because I don't want to typically get stuck with that player that like you said uh, eventually you're not moving him for anything and it's like well throw frank gore back to the waiver pool because you know you're not you're not trading him for anything you're not getting any real return on the value and i agree i don't think kamara's at that point but if you can get that flash late this season where like you said you get that crazy return what the value was earlier this season i agree that's a a, a sound move to make and it's how you set your team up you know to be a contender for the long haul well, let me tell you about a trade that happened in my home league. We we were in the draft, and I got eviscerated. Like, I was 
a contender without question. I mean, I'm rolling out Devontae Adams. I'm rolling out Travis Kelsey. My team was stacked, Josh Allen, the quarterback. And I made this move that everyone told me for a win-now team, how stupid could you be? And I traded Melvin Gordon in April straight up for Antonio Gibson. <laughs> and I got killed. I mean killed. If you have, it, was like, it was like April or May when the, you know, when the trade happened. It might have even been later I, the, with the quarantine. Who the hell knows anymore? But yeah. the fact One was everyone – yeah, exactly. It's been March forever. Um, but everybody tell me that you traded the Denver number one running back for a guy who, and again, you hear the touches, how many touches he had in college – Going to the you know the Washington football team, you gotta be a fool. And I will say, even I expected the return to be year two. I was a big Gibson guy. Sure, he reminded me of Taylor, that size, speed, freak, those things you can't coach. Going to what used to be a bad situation, but all of a sudden is Ron Rivera, and you have Rivera talking about this guy playing the Christian McCaffrey role. I'm like, well, well, let me get in on this because Gordon. I felt like I was sitting on a time bomb, right? Like, you know, when you have those guys on your roster, I told you I had Ingram on the same team. I ended up just cutting them. But I, I'm sitting there and I'm going, this team is about to fall apart. If I don't do something, it's about to fall apart. And Gordon was a guy I was like, let me see what I can get. It turned out because remember the Gibson hype hit late. It turned out, I think I traded Gordon straight up for 208, but I waited for the draft to make sure that Gibson was still there. Yeah pull the trigger and legitimately like, I think it was like week four, I started celebrating as possibly the greatest trade I've ever made in my <laughs> life. Like it didn't take long. Um, but that's the type of move that you have to know. Melvin Gordon had a name, yeah, but didn't have value. And I was very big. Uh, shout out to Lindellians, a uh, you know, huge fan of her work. I was very much on her side that Philip Lindsay might be the most talented back on that team. Now, looking at what he did this year, certainly Gordon showed a little flash, but man, that's an easy trade to make. And I think that's the type of trade that takes you from being a contender to being a dynasty mm -hmm. in, in like one move. And that's where I think people get so hung up on that name value and also on that nostalgia. Like Gordon, Gordon and Gurley carried me to championships, and I moved both of them this offseason because I was scared to death of both. Yeah, I made as many moves as I could to get them off of my team. And I ended up on this particular team with, for Melvin Gordon and Todd Gurley, if I add up all the pieces together, it was Antonio Gibson, Chase Claypool, and DJ Moore um, for Gurley and Gordon. And that changed my whole season. Around, yeah, so. absolutely. Absolutely. And out of curiosity, how far, how far down do you have Gibson ranked? Is he an RB1 for you? Gibson? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. G Gibson is uh, running back 11 for me. That's exactly where I have him. Yeah. He is such an exciting player. And I remember, I think it was like June, June or July, talking about him with somebody. And I know that it, like the usage wasn't crazy totals at Memphis, but the numbers were so ridiculous that it's like, <laughs> I, you almost just like have to bet on an outlier that crazy. You know what I mean? The size speed freak, like you said, and I pulled it up real quick uh, in like my old notes that I had. In 2019 at Memphis, he averaged 19.3 yards per catch and 11.2 per carry. Like <laughs> oh, I love those stats. Yeah, and everyone said he'd never hold up. And I'm sitting there looking at him going, hold on, though. This guy's a monster. This is 225 some... pounds. <laughs> 
Oh, and all I ever heard was, oh, well, well you know, it, it's Gibson. He, he's basically like a scat back. I, I heard how many people use the term scat back for Antonio Gibson. Yeah. And I'm like, that's like calling DK Metcalf a slot receiver. Like, pay attention. <laughs> that ain't how this goes down. I mean, so Gibson true. is an absolute beast of a human being. He flies. And the best part is he has no idea what he's doing. I mean, yeah. they – they had, they're still teaching him, and everyone's getting mad about the whole J.D. McKissick thing. And what, what I loved about McKissick was it allowed Gibson to focus on being a running back, and McKissick did the things that Gibson already knows how to do. Mm-hmm. He already knows how to run pass patterns. He already knows how to split out. So I think it was good. They were a good combo. And next year, when Gibson gets the McKissick targets, rocket ship. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking 11 might be too low. If yeah. that hits that way, he's he's. Tapping on, maybe when we do the show next year, he might be in our top five for both of us. Seriously, because I agree. Like, learning, he obviously had the pass-catching background and everything already, so learning that, like, the nuance of the actual running back position at the pro level was always going to be big for him, but getting to do that this year while still being productive doing it, like, I agree. 11, like, it does honestly feel a little bit low because of the talent that he is and the kind of freak athletically that he is. Like, I could definitely see him shooting up closer to the top five come this time next year yeah what was he running back eight when he went down if i'm not mistaken yeah like that he sounds about right. on the season crazy crazy it's nuts uh who, who do you have after saquon who's your fourth guy uh number four for me is probably going to be the one that's going to make people scratch their heads and i honestly just don't care it's aaron jones <laughs> um it, it is aaron jones i i don't know what we have to see from aaron jones his situation can only get better mm-hmm. from LaFleur. But this is a guy who honestly is such a stud with very little wear on the tires. Like, what else do you want from this guy? He just turned 26. I'm not worried about age. We get way too hung up on age in Dynasty. Agreed. This is a guy who has hardly anywhere on the tires, a guy who has not been utilized properly. And if he goes to the right offense, shout out to Chase, my uh, co-host has been calling Arizona for like a year. If he goes to the Arizona Cardinals, that would be he, fantastic. he's a stud, right? He, he's top three. He, he's top three. He's an absolute stud, and he's a rocket ship. This guy is such a talent. He is such a high-end player. He's exactly what you want. He does it on the ground. He does it in the air. Once again, every time this guy sees 15 touches, he's a top five running back. Every time it happens, he's a top five running back. That's what you're getting every day in and out. I don't understand why people are so low on this guy. I see him going as low as like 15 in Dynasty. This is a top five guy for me, and I think this offseason is going to prove that out. Yeah, it's he almost gets penalized or like you know dinged on his value because people are waiting to see where he ends up but to your point like you said he can't really end up any place that's going to be more restrictive to his value than what it is currently like we've all been pounding the table for the backers to utilize him more for years and still we've got like what was he at the the end of last season i think he was the rb2 when the season finished up um so i i agree with that that he can really only go up and we've still seen pretty incredible things from him already. Um, it will be interesting. Cardinals is not as a team that I haven't really thought of in terms of landing spot for him, but that would be interesting. I would love to see him there with Kyler Murray. That would be fun. Oh, it, it would be amazing. I mean, and, and if he gets there, if Chase is right and he lands in Arizona, people are going to be falling over themselves to acquire this guy. Absolutely. Because people, 
for, and I don't want to act like I hate this guy, but people did that this year with Kenyon Drake. And Aaron Jones is a million times the player Kenyon Drake has ever been, frankly. Um, no question. But look at how efficient Drake was in that offense. Look yeah. how many touchdowns he put up. It's insane. 100%. 100%. Uh, the guy I have it for is Jonathan Taylor. We talked about him already a decent amount. And the guy I have it five is Saquon, who we talked about. So your fifth guy, it looks like, is DeAndre Swift. Oh, yeah. I Anyone love that. who follows me knows how much I love DeAndre Swift. Like, I love, love him more Swift. than at least one of my children. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so DeAndre Swift, I, I have literally, um, you know, shout out to uh, DeBeezy B. He, he's, he might be the only one who loves DeAndre Swift more than me. Uh, Commissioner Breezy's up there too. There, there was this like group of us that have been pounding the table about DeAndre Swift. And what was amazing to me about Swift was every single person that I knew had him as the RB1 coming out of college. Every single one. So then the combine happens, right? And this is where realistically, if you draft after the NFL draft, Write your rankings in pen before the freaking combine. Yeah. This is people doing things without pads on in straight lines. Um, write them in pen and, and try your best not to change them. Because what happened was after the combine, now it's 1A, 1B because of what Taylor did. Now, granted, I loved Taylor beforehand, so I wasn't too upset with that one. Then the draft happens. We're all watching that Kansas City pick. <laughs> and I am sitting there and like I'm on the edge of my seat waiting for them to say DeAndre Swift. And it was like the perfect combination. Here's a guy who his talent level and his ability to pass catch, he was like the perfect fit for this particular offense. And I'm thinking, well, well, here's the talent. Here's the guy that has the talent to keep up with those big guns. And then they then they draft Elair. And, and all hell breaks, breaks loose, right? It, and then he goes to the Lions, who all of a sudden everyone's convinced that freaking Matt Patricia has job security, which is hilarious to me. It is laundry, people. It is laundry. There, There's no stability in the NFL anymore. And Matt Patricia getting fired was the least surprising thing that had happened over the entire year, with the exception of potentially Adam Gase not getting fired. So so Patricia gets fired. Bevel comes in. He talks about he's going to open up the offense. Adrian Peterson starts talking about finally they're going to make the right choice and play the running back one. And this kid starts showing what he has. And they're shocked. For, for whatever reason, they're shocked throughout the Twitter community. I, I don't know who they were listening to, but there's no surprise how talented this guy is. So I, of course, want to pump all my tweets from August saying that he's going to be a first-round startup pick next year. And everyone's like, well, I don't think it'll be that high, but, you know, I guess he's talented. No, you're dang right he's going to be that high. And now he's a top eight pick, someone that you could have gotten for Clyde Edwards at Lair. You could have gotten DeAndre Swift in a second-round pick after week one very easily. Yeah. And you should have because he's a better player. <laughs> Talent over situation every single time. And DeAndre Swift is here to stay absolute monster this kid is going to just continue to put up numbers and i'll tell you that detroit offense is going to be a lot better than you think yeah one of my favorite moves on a team that i was in like a pseudo rebuild in uh on reality sports online so like a contract league i had a a late first i want to say it was like the 109 or the 110 uh, and Derrick Henry on an expiring deal. And my team didn't really have any business for Derrick Henry. Like uh, the rest of the team was pretty bad. 
but flip that first and Henry to go up to three and take Swift. And it is like the happiest that I've ever <laughs> been. Cause it's a team that like the, the rebuild got pushed up pretty fast. Cause it's like you get Swift. And then actually later in that first round, I was able to land both Justin Jefferson and T Higgins. So Dang. yeah, I got a, a little luck <laughs> at the end, but I agree. Swift is, it's so funny that you say that because I agree talent over a situation almost regardless. And it's why I'm still so bullish on Denzel Mims, even mm-hmm. watch as a Jets fan, watching the Jets do everything they can to, you know, not, <laughs> ruin his career. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's like <laughs> Denzel Mims is never going to be cheaper than he is right now. Like mm-hmm. absolutely never. And he's a size speed freak. Like we've said about three or four other guys already tonight and has like when he has been involved and when the offense hasn't been totally inept, which granted has only been like a very few small handful of times, but you see that it's like, Oh, okay. This is a real, you know, NFL caliber wide receiver. And I think while unfortunately for me, it looks like it won't be Trevor Lawrence as it stands currently. (laughs) I think regardless, I think regardless, even if the jets ran it back and it was Sam Darnold, which I don't think will be the case. I think just with a real coaching staff and with a real offensive scheme in place, not Adam Gase pushing buttons frantically like a child, you get better production out of Denzel Mims without really changing anything. Like I think the it's only going up for him, but it seems like there was somebody arguing in my mentions, I think just earlier today about like, well, the situation's a mess. I'm like, yeah, but it's causing him to be pretty cheap. Like, <laughs> like, I don't think you're spending a ton to go out and get him even now. So let's talk about that. Cause uh, you know, you're a Jets fan. I'm not. Um, so we'll get an outsider <laughs> opinion here. If I'm a Jets fan, mm-hmm. I want the Jets to take Penny Sewell. Okay. Uh, if you're getting Lawrence, that's one thing. I, I don't stretch for fields in this particular instance. I, I get the offensive line. I get rid of Gase because I actually believe Sam Donald is a very competent NFL quarterback. I think he is absolutely competent, and I think that the weapons around him now, in fact, I, I'm, a, I'm a Ty Johnson guy. I maybe shouldn't be, but I am. I like the talent. I like the speed. Crowder, obviously, one of the most underrated uh target hogs you're going to have in the league. Perriman on the outside also has some skills when he can stay healthy. And then Denzel Mims as, as your one, as your alpha. That is one hell of a situation, actually. And it was funny when they were talking about Lawrence coming to the Jets. All I heard was terrible situation. Again, like we talked about with Patricia. It's not. It's a mismanaged situation that's sure. actually pretty deep in weapons. Probably the deepest the Jets have been in weapons in the past 10 years, right? Yeah. Um, so what else could you possibly want? But I think if you don't get Lawrence, I'm looking for that game-changing offensive lineman. I'm looking for that stud-can't-miss player. And to me, I think Lawrence is that guy. I was all for if you guys had the number one taking Lawrence. I think he is a franchise-altering player. Sure. But I'm not sure Sam Darnold is a big downgrade from what you're getting from Fields. I, I, I just think that Sam Darnold is one of those really good, like Stafford-type NFL players, like mm-hmm. a very solid, underrated quarterback. The conversation really gets a lot more difficult because, like you said, with the, with the first pick, it, it kind of becomes a bit of a slam dunk. Like, sure, you, you don't really pass up on Trevor Lawrence unless you're a team that has like a very, very established, cemented guy in place. And I agree. I don't think Sam Darnold is bad. I think the Jets for the past couple of years have done very little to foster his growth or do anything to help him succeed as an NFL quarterback. The only thing that makes me, and it's not so much that like 
it's not even me like rooting for them to replace him because I agree. I think the difference between Sam Darnold as a prospect coming out or even still what he projects to be at the pro level compared to like whether it's Fields or Trey Lance or Zach Wilson, whoever, like Sam Darnold's still only 23. Like he's only going to be mm-hmm. 24 next year. He's still a young guy. And I, I think it was Luke Sawhook or somebody else that I was talking to just recently that I was saying for that reason, whether on the Jets or not, Darnold was a buy for me, like in Superflex and Dynasty, because mm-hmm. I think that he is still going to be a, a, a real NFL quarterback someplace. Um, so I definitely could see it happening that way where, you know, they draft Penny Sewell or try and slide back a couple spots and run it back with him because I just don't think the only reason I could see it not happening is that Sam Darnold still wasn't Joe Douglas's draft pick. So mm-hmm. depending on what kind of heat, and I don't think he's like feeling heat in terms of getting fired, but you know, it resets that clock a little bit when it's like, well, now I've got my guy, you know, I didn't draft Sam Darnold. So that's the only thing that gives me some pause that they could go that route and just almost replace him regardless but I definitely mm-hmm. don't think it's as big of a slam dunk as it would have been. Or, you know, if they, what'll, what'll really end up happening. And just so I can play through this heartbreak of yesterday all over again, one more time <laughs> is the Jags will beat the bears and then the jets will beat the Pats week 17. Just so this can all happen all over again. One more time. <laughs> so I'm a Pats fan and I could not be cheering harder for that to happen because we are one win away from a top eight pick. So I am all for the jets just absolutely stomping my team. Like I hope it's a blowout of epic proportions, but let me tell you as a Pats fan, right? I would be absolutely on board for the Patriots moving assets for Sam Darnold. Like I think when you look at the Jets fans and, you know, you talk about that, like one man's trash is another man's treasure. I would love to see our coaching staff get their hands on Sam Darnold sure. and see what he can do. I think that I mean, it will never happen. It, it's in the division. It, it just won't, it won't happen. But what it comes down to is in, in like I said, what they should do and what they will do. Yeah. I also agree. They will take a quarterback. I'm, I'm convinced of that fact. Yeah. And that's going to come down to what are you going to get for Darnold? Are you going to get something of value? Are you going to get a player? Because introducing a young quarterback into a broken system, you're going to have it happen all over again. So I'm hoping that you're going to get some offensive line help when it comes to Darnold. If not, just get ready to relive it again. The places where he could end up if he does get moved have long been interesting to me. And I think a lot of people like over and over again have said Pittsburgh and Indy, which are both like interesting places to, you know, maybe sit for a little bit. The place that I keep coming back to, like if they traded for him and outside the conference makes a little bit of sense for everybody. I'd be really interested if the 49ers made a move for him. I really would. Uh, With an offense that can scheme the run as well as they can. Like I trust Kyle Shanahan to do like, Kyle Shanahan hasn't even had a drop off from Jimmy Garoppolo to Nick Mullins. And I think mm-hmm. Sam Darnold is obviously superior to Nick Mullins. And I think Sam Darnold projects as a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. But that's one place that I would be interested if, uh, if he does get moved to end up on, but I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm not out on him. I hope that for his sake that the jets haven't done irreparable damage to his, his <laughs> psyche, because by all accounts, he seems like a super, super nice guy. Uh, and you know, you know, the Jets are the Jets. They've been getting punched for for forever. It's, it's, it's a rough go. Oh yeah, I mean, you're you're a young guy, so um, you know. I, I, hopefully, this reference doesn't completely miss. But he could be David Carr. He could be yeah. 
that talented quarterback who just got ruined 100%. by a terrible franchise. Um, the big thing on the 49ers is it's funny because Jimmy Garoppolo coming to the Patriots was such a rumor for a long time. Never heard anybody on the 49ers say that. And when you look at the team's record, and we can talk about fantasy, we can talk about points scored. When you look at that team's record, Jimmy Garoppolo is a dang winner. I mean, their their winning percentage with Jimmy Garoppolo is like six times what it is when he's out. It is insane. So whatever it is, whatever he's doing, it, it's it, they're winning ball games. And I know that wins aren't a quarterback stat. Before people get all of my mentions on number one, you they're, guys know I don't care. They're coming anyway. They're coming. Oh, let them, let them. <laughs> I, I I love it. You guys bring it. Just remember, I bring it harder sometimes. Um, but but I mean, this guy's been a winner. And I mean, I'm not sure that he's leaving San Francisco. Though I would love to see Darnold in a place like that because it it's set up for success. I mean, the offense is set up that the quarterback doesn't have to do a ton. Don't make mistakes. The defense when it's healthy, that that would be a perfect spot. I just don't know where this whole, the Niners are getting away from Jimmy Garoppolo stuff is coming from, but I haven't heard it from the organization yet. Yeah. I, I'm just not, I think we all have been convinced that the 49ers is an open quarterback spot. And I, I just, I think we're going to be surprised in what they do this offseason. I think they stick with Jimmy G. Could happen. Could happen, man. Well, look, I won't keep you tied up all night. I know we got a game kicking off here in a little bit, but I appreciate you hopping on talking running backs with me. Um, if anybody, I mean, if they're listening here, I'm sure they already are, but where can they find your work already if they, if they aren't checking you out yet? I am at Daddy's Home FF on Twitter. You can find me there. Honestly, I am live or on podcast more than I should ever admit at this point. So <laughs> hit me up on Twitter. That's where you get my schedule as you covered so nicely in the intro. Uh, every Wednesday night at 8 a.m. on Join Our Circle with Chase Vernon, kind of all the hot guests this past week. We had Scott Fish. Uh, you know, we have Chris Allen coming up. Then we have Sal Lido, Nate Hamilton, Ray GQ coming up for our season finale. So we always try to roll out some people as we can. But every Wednesday night, you can catch me live. We're all about the live chat. Love getting in going with the fans. So hit me there. Hit me on Twitter. Other than that, you can find my work kind of retweeted all over the place. So if you don't know me yet, I'm sorry. Uh, I kind of flood the timeline. So um <laughs> Sorry ahead of time. You might want to find that mute button. If you don't like the uh, volume tweets, that's kind of what I do. Oh, man, I love it. If nothing else, Twitter can be kind of a, a cesspool sometimes. So, like, the overwhelming positivity and, like, supporting everybody <laughs> is, like, the most welcome change of pace my timeline has ever seen. Like, I, I love it. And I think you guys do excellent, excellent work. So, I'm happy that uh, we could have you on here. And hopefully we can catch up again soon in the future as well. Yeah, absolutely. You grab me whenever, man. We'll do uh, next time. We'll do wide receiver. See if we can write, rile people up on that side next. I'm sure we can. DK Metcalf's wide receiver one. He's not, but I appreciate you trying. <laughs> All right, Mike. Happy holidays to you and the fam, and uh, we'll catch up again soon. You too, buddy. Thanks for having me. Yep, thanks. Later. Later. Thanks again to Mike for joining the show and having the conversation with me uh, regarding the running back rankings, the way our top five looks currently for uh, looking ahead towards 2021. Some really interesting stuff there, uh, especially when it comes to guys like Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara, uh, some good dialogue back and forth. So it'll be interesting to see how the rankings shake out for myself, for Mike, for for everybody uh, throughout this coming off season and see how things look by the start of next season, if there are any changes. But again, I appreciate all the support, appreciate anybody taking the time to uh, listen to the show, especially in this holiday week. Like I said a little bit earlier, Merry Christmas if you celebrate, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. Uh, there's not going to be a show next week, going to take the week off with uh, 
New Year's coming up and uh, fantasy championships for the most part going on this current Christmas week. So uh, best of luck to everybody there. Uh, I'll have another episode. Like I said, next week, no show. Uh, There'll be a show the following week. Going to regroup a little bit and get some stuff ready uh, as we roll into the offseason here. Start talking a little bit more of rookie running backs coming in, rookie rookie wide receivers starting to work through all my early rookie rankings there. So uh, that's probably where we're going to pick up after these holidays wrap up here. And then we'll dive right into it, start working towards what uh, what rookie draft season might look like, who I'm um, maybe a little bit higher on than some others, and uh, see how it all shakes out. So I appreciate all the support as always. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the show, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you. Thank you.